20, yeah, uh, odds, odds of it still being there 12 years later, 93%. And that was with forceps um, removal. So I'd argue that the Benex only stands to last longer. Welcome to the Protrusive Dental Podcast, the forward-thinking podcast for dental professionals. Join us as we discuss hot topics in dentistry, clinical tips, continuing education, and adding value to your life and career. With your host, Jazz Gulati. Okay, so you have your patient, they've come in, they've fractured their upper premolar at gingival level, kaput. There is no ferule. Like you can maybe get your perioprobe inside and feel maybe a millimeter subgingival, but there's hardly any tooth structure left. What are you gonna do, right? Because most of the times it's gonna be for the bin, right? Like it's hopeless, let's extract it. Now, if you wanna get really extravagant, you could arrange for orthodontic extrusion, which takes time and it's costly, or you can do surgical crown lengthening. Also incur a fee, but also involve surgery, obviously, and it will also mean that the patient will have potentially black triangles uh, and the gingival zenith of that tooth will now no longer be the same as the adjacent tooth. So again, that all takes time and money and effort. So a lot of times people say, let's just take it out and stick an implant in, a bridge in, whatever. Now, what if I told you there was one more way? This way, I was exposed to it on, on social media, actually, uh, in about 2017. And in 2018, I attended a Bard lecture uh, about the surgical extrusion technique. Uh, and it was interesting, it was an Italian chap, Dr. Bacciani, talking about this technique. And it was the first time I'd seen it presented in a scientific way. Uh, and then if you remember in 2019, I did a lecture or, or a podcast with Dr. Oz Olani, restorative consultant. It was restorability with a restorative consultant. And I discussed a technique whereby you can partially extrude surgically a tooth and then gain ferrule and restore it. And I said in the podcast, hey, I don't know if anyone's doing this technique in the UK, please get in touch if you are. And fast forward a year, someone's doing it in the UK and they've done a lot of cases and uh, he got in touch. So Dr. Peter Raftery is joining us for this episode. Uh, Petrusarati, welcome to this episode on the surgical extraction technique, AKA the partial exodonture technique. And this is gonna blow your mind. If you've never been exposed to this, you're gonna think, whoa, how is this even possible? It's basically taking that aforementioned broken down tooth and extruding it surgically. So be it with a luxator or with something called a Benex device. And now you let nature heal it, maybe with a splint, okay? Like one of those wire splints, not the kind of splints I bang on about all the time. Uh, and then a few weeks later, you go back in to do your root canal. And by now the tooth has fully healed, which is amazing. Like biology is amazing, right? And now you have a ferrule and you can now restore this tooth, which was otherwise unrestorable. So today with Dr. Peter Raffrey, who's an endodontist based in Portsmouth, we're gonna be talking about this technique. He'll walk us through the, all the stages of this technique, case selection, things that can go wrong, what advice he would give to a person doing it for the first time. And we also take a look a little bit at the evidence base as well for this, because I think this has a place in, in general dentistry. And now we know that implants are not the panacea we once thought they were, therefore, I think this technique could be pretty worthwhile, even if for the, the, the odd case here and there, maybe for us upper second premolar as your first case that you want to just surgically extrude it and give this tooth a second breath of life. So uh, I'm gonna dive into the interview. Now, before I do, obviously, I owe you a protrusive dental pearl. What do you guys dip your retraction cord in? Or what do you use to get hemostasis? Um, 
I've used a lot of things in the past like ferric sulfate, uh, Exposil, that kind of stuff. But you know what, my, my favorite still, and this isn't sponsored or anything, this is just me sharing for those who, who, who don't know about Viscostat Clear, is 25% aluminum chloride. And what I love about it is the hemostasis that it achieves without that horrible brown nasty residue which you can sometimes get with ferric sulfate and also did you know that ferric sulfate can interfere with bonding so anytime I'm doing like anterior crowns uh, and I'm using uh, retraction with cords I'm always going to be using Viscostat Clear in fact anterior posterior I'm just using Viscostat Clear everywhere I ordered this big tub of it and uh, my nurse knows that it's the only um, astringent I guess I will use so uh, big shout out to Viscostat Clear which has just been brilliant and I've really enjoyed using it no more horrible brown mess so I hope you enjoyed that uh, material selection pearl uh, of Viscostat Clear uh, let's dive into the episode so we can learn more about this surgical extrusion technique aka partial exodonture technique Dr. Peter Rotary welcome to the Protrusion podcast how are you very well, thanks. Um, excited to be on. Thanks for the uh, thanks for making it happen. No, no, thank you. Because what we're talking about today is something really cool, and at the moment, I would say it's very much niche. It's very much uh, eyebrow raising. Some people, maybe an implant dentist, might say, "What's the point?" You know, and basically what yeah. it is. And there's so many different names for it. But before we get into the the beautiful part of the the, the sort of discussion where we talk about uh, the technique and you know what what it's all about, is just tell us, set the scene for us a little bit, uh, Peter. Where are you based? What do you do? What's your what's a normal week for you? Yeah, so uh, endodontist, um, Eastman trained endodontist, uh, maybe 10 years now. You sort of forget after about three or four, don't you? Uh, but I am down in Hampshire um, where I, my, the, the majority of my week is my endo practice in Havant. And I'm a day a week in central Portsmouth, you know, one town over, at like a micro dental school, I think. It's, um, it's called Portsmouth Dental Academy and it's primarily involved with training nurses, hygienists and therapists. But my involvement is with King's College London. So that's the biggest dental school, I believe, maybe in Europe. Uh, and, and I assume that the, the massive final year, uh, 160 of them, they can't all get a dental chair maybe at the same time. So Portsmouth is called their outreach, one of two places that final year King's College London undergrads come down and I'll supervise those final years, primarily in endo with a bit of uh, everything. So that's my one day a week. Um, and that's how I got to hear about your podcast, actually. So it's whilst endo can be a little bit blinkered, you know, single, not quite single handed practice. I've got, a, I've got an associate, but, you know, you are at the cold face and you're a little bit head down. Whereas I love my Thursdays in that I have colleagues and we can, you know, chew the fat and stuff like that. And over lockdown, um, everyone turned to podcasts, didn't they? Um, everyone turned to researching them out and listening to them. Clearly, you've been producing them. Um, and a colleague, David Brown, said to me, Peter, the thing you've been banging on about was mentioned in a podcast I was listening to last <laughs> night. So I then look it up and uh, I don't know, a few days later, I was Instagramming you. And, uh, you know, four months later, maybe we uh, we found a date that could fit. So, yeah, you're a very busy guy. You're very difficult to get hold of, Peter. <laughs> How many kids have you yeah. got? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Wonder, they'll be wandering in any minute now, like uh, BBC style. But yeah, um, <laughs> well, but yeah, down here, actually, married yeah, to GP, four kids. Yeah. 
Four Kids, amazing, fantastic. Well, uh, I'll set the scene for those listening at the moment. Uh, you got in touch with me because you had been told about that episode. And it was something we sort of mentioned in passing in towards the end of the episode. And the episode was restorability with the restorative consultant, was it Oz Olani? Yeah. Uh, and I'd mentioned this yeah. to him and uh, I forget whether he was very familiar with this technique or not, to be honest with you, but I mentioned it to him because in 2018 January, I went to a lecture at the BARD, the British Academy of Aesthetic Dentistry, and there was a chap, I'll read his name, it was a Dr. Riccardo Becciani, and I probably said that horribly wrong, but um, that was one of the first times I'd seen a scientific presentation on the technique. So pretty much two years ago now, um, I, I saw a scientific presentation, but the first time I ever saw it was on Facebook, and I was gobsmacked, right? right? Uh, yeah. But then after seeing the scientific uh, literature, and then now seeing your cases on social media, it, it, it makes so much sense. But before we um, dive into the nitty gritty, can you just tell us what the different names for this technique are uh, and what what essentially is it? Yeah, um, so I know it as Benex and we'll call it Benex. Um, Benex is, uh, what's the word, portmanteau, I think, of the guy's name, the Belgian, I believe, that it maybe, um, let's say, invented it, and extrusion or extraction because it's, it, it is a, it's a, it's a method or a device for extruding or extracting teeth. Yeah. And I uh, have my endo practice and we're just an endo practice. So I don't have all the other specialties nearby. And the reason I mention that is I, if I did, I would maybe say it doesn't look savable, but you know what? Next door is the prosthodontist guy or the oral surgeon guy or whatever. But so I do feel this real, um, I do feel a duty maybe even more than most uh, to try and avoid saying I can't help to the patient or the dentist. Okay. And one of the style of case would be the old school post and core crown that has no ferrule and the white bit has fallen out. And so it's flush at gum level, right? The dentine is flush at gum level. And yes, yeah, so a restorability and avoiding saying I can't help were a big deal. And I heard it was at a British Endo Society meeting that the distributors of the Benex device um, uh, had a stall and uh, yeah, kind of sowed the seed. And I attended a course maybe a year and a half ago now with a professor from oral surgery from Birmingham Dental School, Thomas Diedrich, Diedrich, German guy. And he, uh, it was great. And there were endodontists on it and there were implant dentists on it. The endodontists are interested in, I guess, in extruding, let's stick with those decoronated teeth, extruding the tooth to, hey presto, get feral. So now it's not unrestorable. And the implant dentists on the course were most interested in the most, most, most atraumatic of extractions to minimize, I suppose, the need for bone grafting or delayed, what's the word, placement while they wait for the bone. I don't know what I'm talking about now when it comes, but I suppose delayed um, placement of implant because yeah. they've lost the bone or something or mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Atraumatic extraction for those guys and for me it's extruding teeth. 
Well, sometimes to understand a, a new technique, we have to look at potentially a new technique is different, you know, it depends on what the origin of it was. And we'll, we'll get into that. But sometimes to appreciate a new or a different way of doing things, we have to look at the alternatives. So the alternatives of a tooth, let's say an upper first premolar, okay? Common tooth yeah. to have uh, fractured at gingival level. Maybe you've got half a millimeter of feral uh, palatally and measly, and then the rest is maybe um, equigingival. And yet you can maybe in the sulcus feel an extra millimeter, but for a lot of people, that's unrestorable, so extraction and maybe for an implant. For some people, yeah. uh, if you wanted to, you can do surgical crown lengthening, right? You can cut some gum yeah. away, cut some bone away, and hey presto, you now have some uh, ferrule. Uh, and I guess uh, the other way, I mean, those are the real two ways I can think of to make, oh, orthodontic extrusion. So using yeah. orthodontics to, uh, to extrude a tooth. But what you're talking about is surgically extruding tooth. Now you mentioned the yeah. Benex device, but interestingly, the lecture I went to in 2018, the guy was just using a luxator, right? Which has its risks. Right. We can we can talk about it, has its risks. Yeah. So imagine just luxating a tooth until it's just loose and you can almost just pull yes. it out. But instead yeah. you then suture it and you tack it to the adjacent teeth and you let biology do the work. The root canal yeah. happens. And for you, I'm, I'm gonna find out from you exactly when to do the root canal. It'd be nice to hear yeah. uh, the sort of sequence of things. But then it's a, it's, it's a very innovative way, I think, to make uh, an otherwise unrestorable tooth or needing a very extensive other slow work to make it restorable. Yeah. So, so that's, that's amazing. Yeah. So, so tell us how many cases have you done and tell us a little bit about yeah. how you found it. Are you enjoying the Protrusive Dental Podcast? Well, allow me to deliver you even more value. You can now download the iOS or Play Store app for free. Just search Protrusive on your app platform. Now, if you're a true Protrusive and you want to support the podcast, you want to claim CPD for all the listening and watching that you do, you want to get access to exclusive clinical walkthrough videos to make dentistry tangible, as well as a premium newsletter, access to the Protrusive Vault, and the ability to download all the clinical videos and podcast videos so you can view them offline later, you can get all of that for less than 15 tax-deductible dollars per month. So what are you waiting for? Download the Protrusive app now on iOS or Android for absolutely nothing. We work so hard on this Protrusive team and I know you're just going to love it. Now back to the main episode. So uh, the course I went on was maybe a year ago. And yeah, I'd say so. Uh, funnily enough, uh, he's running one soonish. By the time this podcast goes out, we'll have the info for those who are interested. It's probably good timing. But I about a year ago, I went on the course, bought the thing there and then. And I maybe have done, I'd say, say 20, 18, 20, something like that, I'd say. What I love about it is there's nothing electric, nothing battery, no battery, um, you know, no, no batteries, no iPads, no, nothing rechargeable, <laughs> nothing to Bluetooth to anything else. And I love that it does rely on uh, some really old school stuff that everyone, everyone is familiar with. So I'm talking probably everyone has in their window, I do, of their practice, um, what to do if a tooth gets knocked out, right? Kid's tooth knocked out, uh, everyone knows, put it back in again. So uh, Avol's teeth, are, we all know, can have a second lease of life if managed correctly. And everyone also knows that chief among those priorities is get it back in quickly. So teeth that are extra alveolar for a short amount of time have a pretty rosy outlook, future. And another thing, that really relies on it's opposed to doing a parapost uh it's a lot like doing a parapost so we've got this uh, uh the upper premolar roughly drilled down to gum level you can certainly see the the root canals let's say the pulp chamber is exposed in the example the roughly decoronated example we're, we we mentioned so i will then 
Uh, take yeah, an X-ray. I want to know that the roots are not very curvy, not like a banana, because I'm trying to scooch this thing out. Uh, so it is broadly limited to straightish rooted teeth. What about uh, um, not just the curves? What about if they've got a bulbosity uh, at the end? That is yeah. also going to complicate matters. Yeah, I had a nice one just the other day. It was about the curved, most curved one I've tackled, and it came out without a bother. Again, I, I'll try and provide you, and know, I'll try and uh, show you what I mean. So 1820 cases. I haven't got a wild, vast experience. Um, I haven't had the, the big bulbosity. I might well resort to the more widely understood, accepted, known surgical crown lengthening, but you get the extra long white crown that no one loves. Mm-hmm. And the periodontis triangles. fee, yeah, and the periodontis fee is big, um, along with my endo fee, along with some crown placing fee. You might as well have an so implant. It, <laughs> yeah, so I don't, I don't know if, I, I don't know whether I think that once I, as a specialist endodontist, have to involve a specialist periodontist, and there's a crown in the in the offing as well, whether it's realistic economically, um, or whether the patient's going to go, do you know what? I've done a back of the fag packet sum and, I, and an implant would suit me better. <laughs> or ortho extrusion, we're talking months. Um, the one time I formally sought that as a realistic, uh, you know, from a specialist endodontist down here, it was three, four months. I'm pretty sure it was so long ago, but I'm pretty sure it involved actual train tracks, not just like three teeth. Uh, I think it involved train tracks and certainly the bill was even bigger. So um, I found it to be the most realistic and instant. So, um, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I've got this tooth again. I can see the canals. So I will then put, let's say, a Gates Glidden or uh, an SX can I, can I stop you, Peter, if you don't yeah. mind? Because I'm liking the journey. I want to put it into chronological order. So you've identified your patient. You've uh, checked the PA. You've noticed that, okay, it's not curved, which is which is great. You're now going yeah. to use the Benex device. Uh, and maybe towards the end, yeah. you can share a case showing how to sure. use it. And, and for those listening on the podcast, um, I'm not going to... Uh, bore you guys by having too many visuals for you to listen to it, it wouldn't make sense so but go back and check the video and check uh, peter out on, on instagram and whatnot his social media to to see the images whatnot but i think it was still interesting for you to to listen to the workflow be exposed to yeah. this so you've got your pa you've used your benex you've got it uh, extruded now let's have a little debate here because the some of the images yeah. you sent me you took the tooth entirely out but yeah. I, I would say to you, is that really necessary? Can't you just extrude it a little bit and, and keep it in? And therefore, you don't get any airtime of, of the, the cells. Sure, sure. sure. Um, yeah, so desiccation or what have you of the PDL is the biggest deal of all. Um, but the argument, uh, and it's a neat one, and it's not mine, is I'm just parroting the, what I heard on the course, but it was that you want to know if you've perforated this uh, tooth as you've sunk down the canal, this like a parapost drill. It's mm. a lot like a parapost drill. Um, so you want to know if you've perforated it. I guess you might want to know if it's cracked. You perhaps want to know if the root has come out intact or whether that banana hook on it has snapped off. And 
Yeah, those are the things. Yeah, it kind of inspection of it, really. That makes sense because um, I, I sort of forgot the long sort of uh, post-like uh, power post-like yeah. structure of the Benex, uh, and that, that makes yeah. sense now. And also, you know, premolars uh, teeth are very susceptible to, to cracking, and to be able to see that yeah. visually, I didn't appreciate that before, and now I can yeah. see that. So you've inspected it. Yeah. You're going to put it back in now. Tell us what happens now. Yeah. So you've uh, you you the device is a winch-like thing that you've because t- uh, you've again you've sunk this power post style drill down the middle and you pick up the matched in dimensions let's call it a screw because it then does tap down the hole you've drilled it does tap because they're very sharp uh, threads yeah it taps in and you get this wonderfully firm uh grip and then you attach that we'll call it we've done a parapost like hole and we've screwed the screw down it and the screw's got a very bulbous head on it and you attach that bulbous head to something that looks a little bit like, I don't know, fishing reel. Uh, but you then uh, dial this, turn this uh, device, and it very, very slowly winches that, winches on or winches at or yanks at that tooth. And eventually, um, I'd say four or five minutes, it just gives. Suddenly the tension's off the, um, you start to see a little bit of bleeding in the sulcus, yeah. You put away your apparatus, Benex, and you then pull out on, on, on that screw. You then, you've got the tooth on the stick and you inspect it and you get a photo for Instagram. You then put <laughs> it back in again. Yeah, you, you, you put it back in again, less far, so that you've, uh, yeah, you're happy with the amount of uh, super gingival tooth structure you've now got. And how much yeah. are you aiming for, Peter? How much uh, how um, much ferrule are you aiming for? Super gingival. Yeah, um, it is. Because you can be a little bit greedy, you know. You could just be, hey, you know, I want a little bit more. I mean, how much is, this is, is it, good? This is it. This is it. I've, um, some of the cases I've got, I've only noticed in hindsight, if that makes sense. But there's no post involved. You'd think. So, having done the Benex to gain an adequate ferrule, uh, I've then found I didn't need a post. Whereas I would have thought I'd be maybe relying on a bit of extra ferrule and a post and a really switched on restorative dentist. But, you know, um, it hasn't required the complication of a post, uh, which has been great so far. So, yeah, from the x-ray, you're identifying your non-curvy roots, bulbous roots. Uh, and usually on these anterior single straight rooted teeth, you've got a wealth of uh, root buried in bone. So you can you can be greedy-ish, I guess case dependent, um, but you put it in less far. The, the average seems to be an extrusion of, I would have thought, three, give or take, two, three, four millimeters. Um, and then you put it back in. Then I suppose you unscrew your screw Mm-hmm. So at this point, you've taken it out, had a look. Clearly, you don't want to touch the ligament, which is why I'm emphasizing that you're holding the stick and you're not holding the root because these these cells, these nicely cleaved PDL cells are all important. Uh, put it back in again. And I, maybe now's the time to mention, I suppose, you haven't gone at it with forceps, so you're not risking damaging the cementum because, you know, um, there's that. No one understands external cervical resorption very well, me included, but uh, cemental damage is mm-hmm. proposed as one of the things. So with your forceps and your grabbing, you haven't uh, damaged the cementum. I know that when teeth are decoronated and, and I go after them with some forceps, I'm often tearing the gingiva a little bit, you know, um, meaning to or not. But if there's no tooth structure there, 
super gingerly. That's why we're doing this any in the first place. Uh, I think I'm often tearing a little bit of gum. So with the Benex, you're avoiding the soft tissue damage, the hard tissue damage. And maybe the final point, if I was cheerleading for it, would be, can you imagine like uh, the, the, the cross-sectional shape of a of that upper premolar, it's not circular. So if I've got my forceps on it and I'm rotating it, because it's not purely circular, it's almost like an anti-rotation feature that you sometimes see in a post. When you go to grab that post as an endodontic, you, you're turning it, you're like, oh my gosh, I've snapped, you know, I've, I've, uh, you've maybe snapped, uh, cracked the root. But then, so when you go to grab on the course, uh, one of the most impressive videos was uh, a guy trying to atraumatically, but with forceps, extract an upper anterior tooth. But you could see in slow-mo as he rotated it um, with great skill, but as he rotated it, you could just see the buckle plate break because mm -hmm. it's vanishingly thin. This, uh, as you rotate it, it's not circular, so it got a bit fatter on, I don't know what the physics or the maths term phrase is, the circumference got bigger suddenly, and it just broke that buckle. Um, so my, the Benex way, you're avoiding that. Uh, hard tissue damage, soft tissue damage. Yeah, you put it, take it all the way out, put it back in again. Uh, less than 15 minutes is the absolute key number. Um, the longest I've ever gotten near was about eight minutes because that's how long it takes my tricalcium, uh, you know, my MTA or bidentine to set. I'll, I'll come back to that maybe later. But more often than not, if it's a case, a simple case, just one where there's no tooth structure, the MTA or bidentine I mentioned was like when I'm repairing, say, a perforation or uh, an external cervical resorption defect, or that, you know, I've got to get at a defect, which is underground, so to speak, like external cervical resorption or something like that. But if it's just, there's not enough tooth structure left, and that would be the case to start with. No caries, just a decoronated tooth. That, that's the one to start with. Uh, those, they're coming out for just as long as it takes to take a photo and inspect it, and it's going back in. So we're talking two minutes. Which make, makes makes sense. You want to minimize extra yeah. time as much as possible, yeah. and yeah, yeah, I mean that's yeah. the most efficient yeah. way. And when when you see risk or, or decreased prognosis stratified, you know you're always going to see the zero to sort of five minutes. So I would argue you got like. If, if you're four minutes with it out, you're as good as zero minutes. You're in the best, you know, so less time, the better. But you do want to inspect it, put it back in. The shorter the amount of time, the less the less coagulum you might be dealing with. Uh, I have found maybe on one of those um, eight minute waiting for bidentine to set. It's a little bit harder than I would have liked putting it back in. I don't know why, but I wonder if it was a bit of a jelly like clot. I wonder. Mm -hmm. But it goes back in easy. You then de-thread the screw from your tooth and then you're splinting it. Tra Again, I'd, I'd go back then to trauma guidelines. That's probably a rigid, uh, no, semi-rigid, i.e. Mm -hmm. flexible. Two weeks. Um, two One tooth weeks. either side or a couple of teeth per side? Um, yeah, well, um, it would be, yeah, one. I'd say one, one either side. So if you go the uh, upper you might... premolar, you're putting on the canine and the second premolar uh, yeah. and you're tacking some composite uh, on the, yeah. any sort of enamel, dentine, in cementum, maybe whatever you can get hold of. And you're, you're yeah. probably being quite generous with, I imagine with the composite on the, on the extruded yeah. tooth because you want as much locking as possible. I wish I was better at bonding. So everyone will be better at me than the splinting of it. So I'm... Um, I've found, yeah, I, I've found a top tip for beginners would be to, the locals kicking in, 
uh, I would be etching and bonding when it's ever the environment's bone dry and everyone's calm. I would be etching and bonding my two teeth next door and perhaps even applying a layer of composite there and then so that when the tooth is out and it's a little bit mild, chaos isn't the word, but mildly stressful uh, and there's bleeding, crucially, um, inevitably, then you want to leave as little bonding to do at that point. So I've learned that the hard way. I learned that myself. That's Bond, a top tip right do a lot of the bonding early on. Yeah, Has it ever happened on. where you've uh, you've you started to reintroduce the the tooth back in, and then blood has just uh, squirted out the socket onto the adjacent teeth, and you'd have to start the bonding again? Yeah, 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 absolutely. <laughs> I've had some you know twenty minute overruns trying to etch something for the fifteenth time. No one's as bad as etching than me, <laughs> but bonding and, and adhesive dentistry. All my uh, buddies, they were the one thing I'm going to be texting them is, you know, uh, how, tell me again how you get good. Uh, um, uh, I appreciate but, that insight. This is very, very honest yeah. and good of you. Uh, and this is the nitty gritty details that we love on this podcast. But I just want to uh, ask you any sutures because the Italian chap, Dr. Becciani, he, because A, he wasn't using a Benex, and I'm sure he'd love the idea of using Benex because even in his lecture, he said that, you know, he uses a luxator and he's very gentle, takes his time, but you have to warn the patient that, hey, if by using the luxator, a good chunk of the tooth breaks away, which it can do, then right. it's, it's capiche. We're going to commit to the extraction. Right. Whereas with, with the Benex, uh, yes, I'm sure there's risks and issues and perforations and uh, little things like that that can happen in the Benex, but it just seems like a much smarter idea. But then what he would do is suture either side. Uh, and I actually forget whether he used a semi-rigid splint. Uh, it, he he yeah. may have just relied on suturing the papilla either side and that keeping it uh, still. Do you think yeah, that's a like uh, a, enough? A bit like a, like a, it almost looks like a spider web or uh, like a, you know, sort of holding it in place. And that's, mm. that's what you see, don't, well, that's what I see when, when you're looking at these auto-transplantation cases where they're pulling out a, uh, I don't know, partly, partly formed, you know, eight to put it into the say the uh, you know a, a socket of a knocked out front tooth or what or something maybe a bad mm. example but yeah you, I've, you've seen them stabilized with sutures but no I've um, and funnily enough one of, one of the papers in the Journal of Endodontics recently Cho was the uh, CHO um, intentional replantation she um, was doing it with uh, forceps and. The interesting point was, uh, in the majority of cases, there was no splinting whatsoever. It was a snug fit. Uh, yeah, you'd be surprised. Yeah, just a wow. snug fit. Um, I haven't tried that. I've, I've just, I'm pretty dogmatic. I've stuck to this fishing wire and composite. And um, I found that when I left it, six weeks, the teeth would come back rock solid with no evidence that I'd ever put my splint in in the first place. It had been chipped and broken away, much to my you know, embarrassment. <laughs> but the teeth were, without fail, rock solid. Not bad rock solid, not ankylosed rock solid, yeah. but just what incredibly, okay, beautifully, yeah. uh, as they should be with all that feral and everything's nice and pink and healed. But I'm nibbling away at that because, you know, in the sort of private dentistry world, patients want, you know, done already. And the trauma guidelines are four revulsed teeth, two weeks semi-rigid, and my splints aren't lasting. So I've moved towards two weeks. And I would say that I'm finding my splints are there more often, but the teeth are a little bit wobbly. So again, uh, my beginner's top tip would be to 
start their first couple of cases would want to be probably about a four week review, you know, remove the splint, I would say four weeks later, because I'm convinced they will find the teeth to be unequivocally uh, rock solid, and it will absolutely be very quick proof of concept. You know, I, think, I think the first time you probably see that after doing this, the first time you see it come back rock solid, you're probably like, whoa, yeah. it actually works, right? So, 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 so that's crazy. Um, and the second thing I just funny, had a... You know, yeah. They say, you know, there's nothing new under the sun. Uh, we're effectively talking about replanting of Vols teeth, but I feel like I... I'm almost, you know, what's the word, privy to a secret that no one else knows about. I'm banging on about it, but uh, I just feel, yeah, it's a, ultimately we're talking about evolved teeth and putting them back in again and then being amazed that they last, even though we've been telling school mums to do it for forever. But, yeah, um, it, it, it really does work. And it's so atraumatic that, uh, you know, it, you, we shouldn't be surprised, but. It's Still a very, very valid point. Uh, one idea I just had, uh, just speaking to you, the restorative dentist in me is just thinking, right? Because you said prior practice, you know, patients don't want to have a, a gap. So if someone's broken their fall and they're like, quick, we do something. And you're like, well, I kind of have to splodge it out a little bit. And then you have to be like semi-toothless for four weeks or whatever. Yeah. Um, when you're doing your splint, how about doing your split and then just building the tooth up in a massive blob of composite at the same time, uh, just shy of any sort of um, occlusion, but then also say, telling the patient, do not chew on this tooth at all. Uh, have you tried that? Yeah, is that something um, that's worth worth trying? Yeah, well, no, I've, um, shaving down the period to two weeks is uh, okay. The patients are generally delighted and a little bit more forgiving. Uh, I'm sure that will wear off as it becomes, you know, more old hat. But I have found that they all generally go from decoronated gap, like, and I mean actual gap, and suddenly you're filling two thirds of that gap with tooth colored, tooth, tooth, uh, you know, tooth structure. And you're right, the whitish composite that you're, yeah, they're, they're, um, I, I'm, 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 uh, I went into endo for because of a lack of interest or ability with cosmetics. So I, 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 I imagine your hunch is accurate but i don't i couldn't say either <laughs> yeah. it's just something yeah. i probably will uh, try when the right case comes along uh, let's talk longevity what does the evidence say tell us share with us what is the existing evidence base for this uh, and what can we learn from the evidence base yeah so uh the um i'll go with this cho paper because it's uh you know high in, you know it's in, it's in a proper journal it's recent and uh you know peer-reviewed and there, um, so with forceps extraction, uh, they found uh, their hunch or their, their stat, their statistical thing was for uh, 12, 12 year, odds of 12 year retention at 93%. Spectacular, right? Um, uh, 20, yeah, uh, odds, odds of it still being there 12 years later, 93%. And that was with forceps um, removal. So I'd argue that the Benex only stands to last longer. W when it comes to the things we're worried about is, an is ankylosis, I guess. So I would say the way we're handling this tooth gently, you know, um, gently, and we're putting it back in quickly, um, uh, uh, th those figures didn't surprise me. Now, things like endo and endo unraveling it or i i get the feeling that's kind of within our remit that's like after you know that if if that happens it's kind of my fault if if i introduce too aggressive a crown root ratio and uh um you know you know so there'll be some i'm sure there'll be some mechanical failures perhaps an over ambitious project you know as it were tooth candidate tooth but um 
And there might be presumably a little bit of uh, ankylosis, external replacement resorption. Um, but I would argue to answer your question in a like very, very good longevity is, is what I'm expecting. I've found all of them to be rock solid as I've seen, you know, uh, as I've, I've uh, and I've had some, I've uh, been doing it, you know, just over a year and I've had a good few. I, I review my endo at six months. So I've reviewed, uh, I'd say about three of these cases so far and they don't sound tinny ankylosed. They're not unmobile or, you know, they're the right mobility. And I could see a nice outline of a root on my periapical. So ankylosis is the only thing I'm worried about to date. The endo that I'm doing, I feel like a, a responsibility or I'm able to uh, eradicate the risk of uh, external inflammatory resorption or uh, things like that. So, yeah, the things that worry me, I suppose, are ankylosis and I have... Uh, but, but I'm really encouraged by the uh, by the evidence from that paper in the JOE and Journal of Endodontics. But this 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 technique has been published in the BDJ by Thomas Diedrich, the professor of oral surgery at Birmingham Dental School. Uh, it wasn't kind of a longevity thing, but yeah, it's not as once you scratch the surface of uh, PubMed, it's not as novel as you you know you you, you that we would uh, both think it is. Well, I'm glad you uh, shared those with me in an email exchange. So I'll put them on uh, on the Petrusive yeah. Dental Community uh, Facebook group and also on the website in the show notes. Uh, and uh, prior to you sending me all that, uh, I only knew of the 14-year uh, case report by, presented by that uh, gentleman who presented. Yeah. And he, you know, he said some great things. An interesting question I asked him in the audience, actually, and for asking the, the best question that day, I, I won a Reliax Fiber Post kit. Uh, but uh, thank you, Nick Sethi and the Bard team. Um, but the, the question I asked, was in the trauma guidelines at the time i believe uh, an evulsion of any sort i think they said antibiotics is a good idea and i sort of said hey um do you think antibiotics would help uh, and the guy and the guy was like no we don't think so um and, and would you agree with that uh, i'd agree with the with the lack of a need for antibiotics if i'm honest uh yeah i'd um because yeah yeah you're right with trauma guidelines but we're talking they're, they're that's the antennas and it's this dirty tooth etc mm -hmm. but again i'm encouraged for Benex to outlast traumatized and uh, avulsed teeth, of course, because there's because you know there's no there's nothing atraumatic about an avulsion, right? Uh, there must be. I'm, I'm thinking a cricket ball in the mouth. There must be a massive amount of crushing on the palatal aspect of that root, and probably a bit of alveolar bone fracture mm -hmm. as it's knocked out intact. Whereas this can be the Benex, the winching. And it just is like, I don't know, shucking, uh, you know, watermelon. Pit. It just comes out, uh, it cleaves <laughs> out ever, ever so neatly. And you can really imagine that not a lot of structures were harmed during the making of this, you know, Instagram case sort of thing. So um, you really are bypassing that cemental damage, the, maybe mm. the, the, the alveolar bone uh, fracture, the, the muck maybe that's got into the sulcus and all those things, yeah. Quick question, actually, I just thought of. At the time where you successfully extrude the tooth, do you ever get a ruler and quickly put it and, and measure the working length? So, because I've uh, taken, no. <laughs> uh, no. Is that no, a daft idea? No, no. Uh, I, you know, I, my, my RUZX is a trustee for that job <laughs> later, but um, the, the, the academic that I, you know, I've been bombarding this professor with cases, uh, trying to, you know, notice me, notice me, but um, he he has said, oh, look, uh, glad to hear someone else loves it like I do. And he's asking me to maybe keep some sort of uh, 
you know, formal uh, of how much I'm, uh, you know, so there might be a bit of measuring. He wants to know how much I'm extruding it and all. But so far, I'm just kind of doing it by eye and I'm getting everything super gingival. Which is your bread and, and, and butter. Quick. You know, your endodontist, this is something you do day in, day out. Uh, amazing. Yeah. I think we've covered well uh, what the technique is, some of the nuances of it. Um, before I get you to kindly share a, a case for those who will come on later to on dental tubules, claim CBD, watch the case, that sort of stuff. Um, if you can uh, share... Me, myself included, there will come to a time. And the reason I haven't done it yet is because COVID happened uh, and we're all out of practice and I've joined a new practice and I'm, and I'm waiting for that right case to come along. Uh, and you being an endodontist, you probably see you get much more exposure to, to this sort of stuff. Uh, I'm waiting for the right case uh, to, to do it. Uh, and I'm, I'm more than happy to, to give it a go. It'd be nice to have a Benex. So I, I do feel, I would feel much more confident with the Benex than uh, current yeah. situation. I'm probably using the, the finest luxator with care like Dr. Yeah. Bacciani did. Uh, but um, I ideally with the Benex, but what advice would you give someone like me? Uh, you already gave a, little, a few little nuggets about the you know, yeah. pre-etching, pre-bonding. Uh, any other yeah. advice to a first-timer? Uh, let me think. Um, so, the, yeah, the, the, the Benex kit, uh, it's, it's expensive, uh, but so it's, 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 you know, won't surprise, it's just, it's just more than £1,000 uh, all said and done. I think that's um, great. Because an implantologist, because okay, yeah, yeah. I think, you know, implantologists can use it The, end of, yeah. the when you're doing endodontics uh, for, for, in this way, partial extrusion uh, or sure. surgical extrusion. Uh, I think the application is, is brilliant, but I'm sure the, impl- yeah. you know, uh, even with the tricky extraction, you can just set this on and then yeah. let it help you as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so on the course, the implant dentists were learning about sectioning, let's say, an upper molar into the three roots and taking them out individually. But yeah, so if you want to get fanatical about this atraumatic extraction, then yeah, you're sectioning the root. But it's a thousand pounds. So yeah, you'd be pre, um, pre, yeah, pre, pre bonding the two teeth either side. So I, 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 I would have my yeah my lumps of composite either side. You don't want to be doing your first etching and bonding when there's blood around. Um, yeah, you, an ideal tooth would be probably a five because there isn't the burden for the aesthetic. You know, you you can more easily persuade someone who's effectively not got a five to um, you don't have to go to the ends of the earth to give them two weeks worth of a, a, some sort of cobbled together aesthetic uh, thing there. I would also uh, suggest that, and I've stuck to what I learned on the course, was to, you, you split, I'm splitting my, my involvement into two visits because if the tooth is cracked or perforated or I've perforated it, or uh, yeah, I'll, you wouldn't want to have spent so much time on it. So by that, I mean, I am ex- I'm, on visit one, I'm extruding the tooth and bonding it. Yeah, uh, splinting it. And two weeks later, I am doing the root canal treatment. But clearly that second appointment goes by the wayside, doesn't happen if the uh, tooth uh, was two weeks earlier, split, cracked, perforated or whatever, or just, un- you know, uh, proven to be unrestorable. Um, yeah. So you wouldn't want to, let's say, quote or promise or charge or set aside the chair time for the whole thing in one go. You're uh, you're doing you're uh, you're sort of extruding it. And then two weeks later, you might get reception to call the late the person two days before. Is the tooth still there? Yeah. You know, our appointment in two days time. Uh, you know, you don't want that wasted chair time for them to bring in the tooth uh, in there in a little Ziploc bag. Um, so you sort of 
splitting treatment into two, yeah, uh, two weeks apart. Mm-hmm. Um, let me see. So I'd recommend some stiff putty. One of my lab, one of my clinical dental technician uh, buddies put me onto some lab putty, which is very hard. Um, I think sure hardness is the scale, and mm-hmm. the bigger the number, the better. Um, in 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 the case that I that I sent you with the blow by blow steps and stages, you'll see that you you sort of put a sectional impression tray full of silicon onto the uh, the tooth and the and one either side, and it acts like a little bit of a buffer or a bumper or a barrier as you start to apply this pressure. Because as you know, Newton's laws, the tooth's getting yanked up. There's a fair bit of pressure intruding, so to speak, those teeth either side, and I don't think you'd want to have something very soft. Uh, it'd be a bit bouncy and teary. You want something, yeah, a stiff silicon. And that's uh, specifically to do with the with the Benex technique, obviously. Yeah, it would be. It would be. Um, I would. Uh, yeah, beyond that, I'd. Um, t- no, t- I, t- I think those can... are some 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 some, yeah. some great great gems there. So, um, uh, Peter, can you show us um, uh, a case so that those people yeah. who once they're off the podcast and they want to go home and catch it, there's some visuals yeah. they can check that out as well. Uh, just share with us uh, a case that you have. Hey guys, uh, I'm going to end the audio podcast here pretty much uh, and we'll just skip to the outro a bit because now he goes through a case uh, and if you want to see the case, I'd probably jump on uh, protrusive.co.uk and actually watch the video that's uh, embedded on YouTube or catch it on Dental Tubules. Did you know that my podcast is one of the only dental podcasts in the world where you can actually claim verifiable CPD or CE, which I'm incredibly proud of. So thank you, Dental Tubules, for supporting that. Uh, So that'll be available very soon by video. So if you want to see the visuals, do check out the video. So there we have it, the surgical extrusion technique or the partial exigenta technique. Isn't that fascinating, right? I mean, something that you, you would think is innately a bad idea. It just seems too good to be true. And it's just fascinating. I think the the true secret, I guess, is case selection, like with anything, like any technique, case selection is always the key. So choose your cases wisely. Uh, and I really do think having something like a Benex device, like if you've got access to a Benex device, wow, I mean, you're, I mean, that's half the battle. That's more than half the battle, I think. Because um, if you're relying on luxators, then yeah, things can chip and break and it may not be possible to do this technique. So uh, those are Benex. Wow, you've definitely got one leg up, totally. Uh, but uh, I, I really thank Dr. Raftery for coming and sharing his passion for saving hopeless teeth. So I hope you enjoyed that episode uh, and I'll catch you in the next installment of the Protrusive Dental Podcast. Thank you to all the Protrusive out there.